and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have more powerful conversations with ourselves and others. I'm your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and joining me today is an old friend, but it's been a while since we've connected, Allison P. Uh, and we're going to be talking about this very important practice of mindfulness-based stress reduction, which, uh, you know, honestly, as we're going into the end of the new year or the end of the year, not the <laughs> end of the year, we have all the stresses of work wrapping up, um, holiday season for many of us, and just how can we think differently about it? So let me tell you a little bit about Allison, and then we'll hop into our conversation. Allison Pete is a certified mindfulness-based stress reduction instructor trained at the UMass Center of Mindfulness, which was founded by John Kabat-Zinn, PhD, and the Mindfulness Center at Brown University. She is trained through mindful schools and is a certified Buteco breathing method instructor and registered yoga instructor. She's taught since 2015 and hundreds have graduated from her MBSR program. Based on the pre and post self-evaluations, and I was one of her participants, and we'll get into that. 87% of MBSR grads lowered their perceived uh, stress and reduced stress levels on average of 35%. All of her individual students reduced their stress by an average of half after eight sessions. Allison completes multiple week-long silent meditation retreats and has a regular practice. The cultivation of mindfulness transformed her relationship with stress and anxiety, which motivated her to start her own business in 2015 from within wellness to benefit others. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. I I'd so I'm so excited to I'm so excited to have you on the show because I I don't rem well, okay, first sorry. Let me ask you the question I always ask everyone and then we'll get into like our history. Uh what else should we know about you? What else should we know about you? Wow. I grew up in Iowa, born and raised. Uh, I have a loving husband. We are going to be celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary in June. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> so, yes. And I think we're, we both grew up in the same town. So that's pretty cool. Did we're we? Both, Dubuque? Yes. I grew oh, up in Dubuque. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. I forgot that that was a connection yes, of ours. Yes. I think I remember that too. So mm -hmm. um, went to UNI. I have two kids. Right. Um, big transition year. Uh, I have a freshman in high school now and a oh, um, seventh grader she's starting junior high so are they that old i know one is taller than me and one is gaining so um yeah busy busy life but also just wonderful we everything's going so well and uh yeah so thank you i love that it i i i don't remember how we got connected but i know that you and i started to meet and probably like 2014 you were just starting your um, practice. And somehow we got connected because at that time I was coming off of my panic disorder. Mm -hmm. I had found mindfulness-based stress reduction uh, to just help me manage that. And, uh, and I just remember there is a restaurant in the Skywalk we met at a lot. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like we had pizza and I don't remember what it was called, but I felt like that was our spot that we would get together and just like tell stories of, you know, our, our, our anxiety and how yes. mindfulness has been helping. And that's how we've bonded. And it's so awesome to see yeah. how much you've grown in this time and how Absolutely. we've just kind of grown together in Same. our journeys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I know your story. But the people listening don't. So mm -hmm. so take us back to what set you on this journey. It was a whole lot of stress. 
So mm -hmm. I've, I've noticed that my students, both group and the individuals I work with, they don't come to a mindfulness practice because things are going really well in their mm -hmm. life. Many people are under a lot of stress and anxiety and need to help themselves. So I was in that same boat. Um, that's why I think I can connect so well with the people that I teach is because I'm, I'm walking the path. I was there with them about 20, 13 ish. So my yeah. second kid was born in 2011 and I had very small children. I was working uh, a crazy job. My husband was traveling. Um, so my kids were toddlers and I was experiencing huge amounts of stress, which looking back turned into, um, anxiety. I dealt with uh, postpartum depression after, especially after my second child was born. And I think it was kind of a functional depression. I'm like, oh, mm. no, I'm too busy. I, I, I mm. can't sit. St mm. <laughs> I can't face this right now. So um, I was my anxiety symptoms were were pretty um, mild until they weren't. So they mm. I, I just kept living with them and coping with them in not so healthy ways, um, over exercising, having too many glasses of wine at the end of the night, things like that, and then not sleeping well. Um, I was very reactive with my children. Um mm. And that's not the thing that you want to do when they're toddlers. You know, they they uh, they, they need a, a much more calm person to attune their nervous systems to. And I, I wasn't very attuning at the time. Um, wasn't sleeping well. Uh, and I, I knew I needed to help myself, but I didn't know how. I didn't understand how to get off that proverbial treadmill that mm -hmm. a lot of us tend to find ourselves on. So I had a good friend that was taking the mindfulness-based stress reduction course. She worked at the University of Iowa and they, at the time, the employees got to take it for free. So she was very impressed with the class. Uh, she said, you might want to look into this class called mindfulness-based stress reduction. And my stress was was over the top and I all I saw was stress reduction so I said I need that I was I was felt so gravitated towards it that um, I looked for a teacher here in Des Moines I couldn't find one so mm -hmm. I ended up taking it online and it was pre-recorded classes this was pre-covid oh, yeah this Way is like pre, pre all of it <laughs> yes so they weren't live they nothing was available online at the time um it was pre-recorded videos that i i just would sit in front of my computer screen and watch this pre-recorded video of these people from umass teaching and i it changed my life it it was um and i don't say that about many things yeah. really except for my kids and right so um i I was just, I was blown away uh, at how not present I had been. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was very impressed that I could be a part of my own healthcare, that this mm -hmm. was something that I could do for myself, with and for myself. Um, MBSR was the spark. I, I always have to say when telling this story, it wasn't just MBSR. It was also, I saw a therapist. I also decided to get on medication for about six months that helped me get out of that hole. I, I took a little step back from work a little bit for a while too, because I know I was just pushing myself way too hard. So it's an eight week course by the, by about halfway through and definitely by all the way through, I was sleeping better. I was mm -hmm. way less reactive with my children, especially that were very triggering. Um, I just, I kind of felt like there was a different way of living rather mm -hmm. than what I was doing. And, um, my, my physical anxiety symptoms were, were way down. So, um, yeah, I have a deeply personal path to practicing this because it helped me. And I thought, you know what, if I'm, I'm such a fidgety type A person, if like, if this can help me, how many other people could this help? So yeah. that's kind of the spark of like, 
huge career shift, um, going from the corporate world to teaching mindfulness <laughs> and yeah. starting my own business. So it's, um, yeah, I remember, I remember we walked kind of similar paths around that time. Um, and I've talked on the show before a little bit about, you know, my journey similar 2013 was the year of <laughs> losing my sense of, <laughs> I don't know, everything and yeah. developing panic disorder. And, um, and similarly, like in addition to therapy, it was being introduced to mindfulness uh, practices that helped me have a different relationship. So let's let's just start there. I mean, I know that it's a concept that's been around, but we shouldn't assume that everybody knows. So what's how do you like to describe or define just even let's talk first mindfulness and then let's talk about how does this practice look mm -hmm. from a stress reduction perspective mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and also just like and why, why it works. Right. Yeah. So let's just start with how you define it first. Yeah. So I define mindfulness as simply as I can. It's, it's knowing what's on your mind in any given moment without kind of taking the bait. We can mm. start to discover that we don't necessarily have to believe everything we think, and we can start to challenge those thoughts. And we, the, the essence of mindfulness is, being in the present moment and knowing what's actually happening internally, right? Internally body sensations in our minds and also externally what's happening in our external environment. Um, so, and, and knowing how to navigate the present moment, even when that moment is unpleasant. Yeah. I think that is the huge part of mindfulness. Many people think that it's all about maybe escaping, um, yeah really blissing out or being calm and relaxed all the time. And yeah, calm and relaxation is a goal or is a byproduct, but it's actually not the goal. The goal of a mindfulness practice is to be awake and alert to whatever is arising, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, so we learn to respond more wisely to difficulty in our life rather than react out of habitual states, out of emotional states pretty blindly. So it's, yeah. it's basically getting out of autopilot mode. Yeah. Yeah. And just like that non-judgmental awareness, the the timing of this episode is going to be really lovely. What you don't know is the episode that's going to air before this conversation was um, that we just recorded this morning actually was talking to two uh, psychologists who specialize in OCD oh. and intrusive thinking and how, mm -hmm. right, like just that like sticky mind and yes. all of that. And, you know, there was something that... Um, something you said that I wanted to dig into because I remember when I was on, well, I remember before I got into my practice and I don't know how this, this, uh, was similar or different than yours, but the idea that I had of, my, of like meditation, uh, was different than what mindfulness meditation was. Also, I think that this idea of, um, it's about being able to control your thoughts. It's about being able to have no thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, and then people get frustrated and it's like, oh no, you can't shut that. You can't shut that shit off. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> those thoughts are going to be there, baby. Like, yep. Um, and, and also this idea of just like cultivating, deep curiosity mm. about, about yourself. What would you say to people? Um, well, the thing that was like a helpful metaphor for me was it, it's like a, sh if your brain is a shooken up snow globe, like mindfulness just helps the, the snow settle, the snow's still there, 
it just helps it settle. But how do you respond when when you're working with, you know, students or individuals who maybe are coming in with like, I want to get better at meditation. I want to get better at not having thoughts. How do you respond to them? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always start out with we can't shut our brain down. We can't stop our thinking. And many people are like, whoa, I thought that's what meditation was all about is stopping my mind or stopping the thoughts. And, and in reality, it's like trying to stop the waves of the ocean, right? Mm. Our, our minds are meant to wave. That's the thinking mm. mind. It comes and goes. And we have little to no control over the thoughts that come into and out of our awareness. What we do have control over is our relationship to those thoughts. So that's what mindfulness helps us with is like you said, that big word is curiosity and non-judgment. We bring a curious, interested focus to these thoughts that are arising. And then we get to choose whether we, uh, turn towards them or turn away. And that's the beauty of this is that we get to decide what thoughts we do want to, uh, dive deeper into and really, um, proliferate. And then we also decide we get to have that space, right? I think, you know, this in between stimulus and responses mm-hmm. that is the space by Viktor Frankl. We have that space of do, do I need to necessarily give this these thoughts, my full attention. Mm. So our attention is kind of like our, our vision, our attention. We have this really amazing focal point of attention in our central vision and then everything else. The periphery is kind of like, this isn't that, that important right now. So we do the same thing with our mindfulness practice. We have this really amazing, bright attention that we can Mm. be curious with and non-judgmental with. And then the rest of it, we can be like, I, it it doesn't get as strong, right? The attention that we give that is not as strong, that tends to get weaker. Yeah. So we become more efficient in our thinking. We, we were more successful in that. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and I, and one of the things I think with the mindfulness practice in particular, because obviously there are different types of meditations that are out there, is about that being able to connect with everything that you're experiencing. You know, that was another kind of myth I held that, oh, you only can uh, meditate by sitting cross-legged and and humming a mantra or whatever and, and not realizing, um, no, you can, you know, and this was some of the work that I got to experience when I was part of your program early on of uh, what does it look like to walk mindfully? What does it look like to eat mindfully? What does it look like? Which really just, you know, again, I, I think it's, it's like so profound when you realize how little you spend in the present. <laughs> exactly. Like, I like one of the things I remember from your silent because now it's coming back <laughs> the silent retreat that you did. So for folks who are listening at the end of the eight weeks, there's a, was it a whole day or a half day? I don't remember. I think maybe it was it's a, about six hours. So we call it six a full hours. Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally silent. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> But, but one of the things you, you taught us that I still have moments, I'll catch myself and I'll have a little Allison in my brain when we were eating (laughs) mindfully is you said, notice how you bring, you're bringing the fork to your mouth before you've even like chewed and swallowed. You know, it's like you take a bite, you're chewing, you've already got that fork to your mouth. And what does it look like to just sit with and savor? And sometimes I'll catch myself like, <laughs> damn it, there I, <laughs> like, there I go again. But but so talk to us. I mean, because that's that's the other thing I'm curious about is 
There's the practice of mindfulness-based stress reduction, right? There's the practice of mindfulness, and then there's the living mindfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm curious to just hear your thoughts on that. It's also really fun to see where you're thinking. Like, it, I just, sorry, I have to pause everyone because, you know, like, I feel like we grew up together. <laughs> And I'm really enjoying like the depth of like just how you're thinking of I just I really appreciating like watching your journey with this. And so how how do you you know, what does it look like to live mindfully? I love this. I love this question because I talk a lot to my groups and individuals about this because there's, I, I think there's two different ways that we can develop a mindfulness practice, which I think a mindfulness practice is the same as living our lives yeah. as fully and completely as we possibly can. So when I say meditation, that's not like this, some separate thing where we're separating ourselves from our lives. Mm. Mindfulness meditation is getting into our lives as deeply mm. and richly and authentically as we possibly can. So meditation and life, I think are the same thing. I don't think Mm -hmm. there's any Mm -hmm. difference at all. So it's just different ways that you can cultivate it. So the formal practice of mindfulness is meditation. So we, you sit down, you can listen to a recording, you can just follow your breath, but it's really slowing the video down almost of your life of Mm -hmm. like just the breath or just this step or just this bite of food. It's really slowing things down and then noticing what happens to your mind. The mind goes, this is really boring. What the (laughs) hell are we doing here? Why don't we keep going? You know, all the things that our mind tells us when we slow down. So mindfulness meditation is one way. And I think that's probably a good chunk of the neuroscience is where people, where, where people are studying the brain on meditation, mindfulness meditation. There's another way that many people find a lot more enjoyable is the informal practice, which is living mindfully, like you said. Mm-hmm. So there's meditation, but then there's also this way that we can develop this anytime, anywhere. I was just on a flight uh, two weeks ago. You can meditate on the plane. You can mm-hmm. meditate. That's a, my favorite place to practice meditation, especially walking meditation is at airports mm-hmm. when everyone has lost many people lose their minds very quickly <laughs> with travel. It's like, can I feel my feet on the ground? Can I feel yeah. this breath? Can I just observe what everyone it's kind of an interesting thing. So mindfully driving is, is another one because many of us, how often have you missed an exit off the highway when you've just been totally lost in your thinking. So it's in conversation. It's treating a conversation as if it's like the only thing in the world Mm -hmm. and really honing in your attention. Um, yeah. So that, that's what I think is, is different with a mindfulness practice because it's just how, how am I focusing or not focusing? How am I being really curious with what's actually happening? And then also being really skillful with that. Cause I, what you said, it kind of reminded me of something where it's like, yeah, we can be very attentive to what's actually happening, even when it's unpleasant, but mm-hmm. also we can notice this is too much for me. This is too yeah. overwhelming for me right yeah. now. So I have the ability to turn away as well. So maybe the mindfulness practice isn't, uh, the most skillful. It isn't the most, um, the, the, the most, uh, kind thing I can do for myself right now. And that's the beauty of this is what we build this courage. We build this ability to be with ourselves. Mm. And even when it's uncomfortable, 
And yeah. I, I think that's because life isn't always right. Unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. That's what people think yeah. meditation is. Sometimes it's like being all blissed out, yeah. but there's some, there's some, there's ways that we can build our compassion and build mm-hmm. the kindness towards ourselves too. Yeah. It's a, uh, that, that was what was, that was such a shift for me on so many levels that honestly, like I've gotten away from, and you know, this is good timing to get reconnected with that of, it can be uncomfortable and you can still be present with it. You can still be curious with it. Exactly. You can still like discover something or not. And yeah. and it's all about that that conscious choice. More with Allison Pete in a moment. I know over the last decade uh, and more, there's been a ton of research. So there's a lot of research that's come out because you know, obviously mindfulness and meditation has been globally around for centuries. Yes. And, um, you know, but it's just been in the last 10, 15 years that we've been able to go, why, why does it have the results it does? Mm -hmm. What is changing in the brain? And I'm curious, uh, you know, like if you'd be willing to share what, what you, what you know now, Mm -hmm. what is, you know, what is science saying now about what happens to the brain when you practice even a short amount of time um, is pretty remarkable. Yes. Yeah. So a few of the studies that I have um, memorized by now um, (laughs) that are just profound is, yes, you're right. Even 10 minutes a day has been proven to help um, reduce stress and anxiety, increase overall health and well-being, um, focus, clarity, creativity. Uh, and they found that the more people practice, the more benefits they receive. So mm. Harvard did a pretty long-term mindfulness study. I think it was eight weeks or more of, of a mindfulness practice. And I think, I, I, I don't know the exact amount of time everybody asks me this. I'm thinking it's about 30 to 45 minutes a day of, of practice. So a little bit longer periods of time. They studied eight weeks of mindfulness practitioners um, and they actually hooked them up to brain scans. And after at least eight weeks of practice in that way, they noticed structural changes in the brain. So gray and white matter actually shrank around the amygdala. I know you talk a lot about, mm-hmm. I think you call it amygdala hijack, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. Or flooding. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. flooding, yes. Yeah. So gray and white matter shrank around that key area of stress and they grew, gray and white matter grew in the prefrontal cortex where there's more self-awareness, there's more compassion, there's more logical thinking, that grew. So it sounds sci-fi, but it's actually... We can prove it. We can prove that we are more efficient. We're more able to take on a lot more information. We have this larger window of tolerance where we can be with ourselves even when it's unpleasant. Um, Another one that was just done in, it's almost a year ago now, it was November of last year, uh, the Journal of American Medical Association came out with the specific mindfulness-based stress reduction class, they split people in two groups. One group took MBSR, one group uh, took Lexapro, which is an anti-anxiety mm-hmm. medication for eight weeks. And they studied both pe- both groups after that eight weeks. Both uh, groups had a 20% reduction in anxiety mm-hmm. symptoms. Mm-hmm. So this is just as effective as some antidepressants as well. And then less side effects too. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you also asked, um, 
how often people are actually present, like how often people are actually in the present moment. I'm curious if you could guess percentage wise, how often do you think we I feel I feel like pre pandemic, a study I read was like we spent about half of our day on autopilot. But I wondered how that has actually shifted since COVID. So if yeah. you have more information, I'm up for it. <laughs> I only have it pre-COVID. Yes, I know. Because I was like, because I know it's less. Like they it's gotten yes. worse. <laughs> yes, exactly. They should. I, it would be an amazing study to redo after all of this that we've been through. Because yes, I think it was another Harvard study. And this is quite a while ago, definitely before COVID. They, they used people's cell phones and they checked with, in with them and said, you know, where is your hmm. mind and how happy are you? And 47% of the time, basically half, they figured out that people's minds weren't on what they were actually doing. And that lack of control was making them less happy. So you think about that. I've thought about that for a long time because that study was groundbreaking at the time yeah. when we actually figured out how, how often our minds do wander. When you think about it in any given moment, there's about a 50% chance that we're not really here. Mm-hmm. And so our minds really get hijacked by all of that stress, mental content and noise. And this is why I'm doing this is when you think about it in this way, in any given moment, there's that half of a chance that we're not here. So we could end up missing out on half of our life in that Mm. way. Mm. So it's not just about stress reduction. In my opinion, I think it's about living fully in the present moment because it's the only moment that we actually have. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about before going on is just the accessibility of this. You know, I think that the, you know, you shared the example of on the airplane, it, it literally is something you can do everywhere. You right. can, you know, informally practice mindfulness at the grocery store. You can informally practice it, you know, when you are with your kids and tucking them in at night, when you're eating, when you're using the restroom, even brushing mm-hmm. your teeth, right? What does right. it look like to, to mindfully do that? Um, what advice would you have for someone just starting um, on their journey, or if they're listening to this and curious about, yeah, maybe, maybe that would be valuable for me, or, or maybe I want to show up more present in my life. Mm-hmm. Where would you have somebody start? Yeah, I would probably start with, um, an app, right? So hmm. I, I started with Insight Timer. Do you have oh, that yeah. one still? I used yeah. to. Yeah. 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 So it's free and they have thousands and thousands of guided meditations. They have a timer on there that you can any amount of time, um, and start with a minute, you know, just start, Mm. start there that I think that it's just starting small and starting, um, very gently is probably the best. You can even practice, going for a mindful walk. Um, you're, you're, a lot of us go for walks anyway. Um, what would it be like to not have music in your, um, earbuds Mm. or a podcast? Um, this time of year we've had beautiful weather. So maybe getting out into nature, being in nature is really healing. So using your senses, I think that's a really wonderful way to start is we typically lose touch with our senses. And, um, when we're up in our thinking mind all the time and lost in that, like, like a trance, So we all have five senses. So it's like, what am I seeing right now? What's happening on the soundscape? What am I tasting? What am I feeling? Where's my breath? How is it here? Right. So it's, it's very simple that that is an amazing thing of this. Like the beauty of this practice is in its simplicity. Um, 
that it's always with us. We don't need yeah. high tech things. It's very analog. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't need special clothing or, or it's like, it's just this amazing ability because we already have it. That's the cool thing. As many people think I need to be mindful. I need to grab something that's, that I don't mm. have already. Mm. And in reality, that's the cool thing is people find that they already have it. This is more of an uncovering or a discovering mm. because this is innately human. We already have yeah. it. We just, yeah. it's very easy to lose touch with awareness itself. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you just, you get, you know, it's, it's, it's for me, I, I can tell that I've lost, like I've lost my practice a little bit, you know, just if things are really busy or overwhelming or, you know, my husband and I, we just uh, were at a friend's wedding out in California and we uh, were fortunate to stay at this just beautiful place near the ocean. Mm. And just there was something about a different location that was like, oh, right. <laughs> this is OK. My senses are like, I see you. Yes. Like, we're, we're still here, Sarah. <laughs> you know, you've just forgotten about us. Yes. Well, and and I love that you you recommend um, that. I love that idea of like start gently and also perhaps with some assistance. I know my journey, I wouldn't have known how to sit. I wouldn't have known um, how different types of meditations. Right. There right. are so many different ones that uh, I learned and then uh, reinforced with the work with you. And, you know, I'm thinking about you know my mom. She deals with uh, some chronic knee issues right now mm. until she gets her knee replaced and she was really struggling sleeping at night oh yeah and and I just was like I want to download the Headspace app for you and they've got some nighttime ones and they have some good ones of navigating pain right and now in that case for her what it did was like put her to sleep but honestly that's what she needed exactly just to like take her focus off of the pain a little bit to right. just enough for her body to be able to recover mm -hmm. some was really really powerful how you know in today's current world uh how are you working with clients like what does it look like to work with you um, in your practice now I work both in groups and individually. So I, I'm sitting in my office right now on in the East Village. So I, I work one-on-ones um, on Fridays here in, in my office in the East Village in person. Um, and then I also uh, teach mindfulness-based stress reduction throughout the year in groups in person as well. Um, typically, we meet kind of central Des Moines, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. And for, for during COVID, I was exclusively online and I'm, I'm kind of getting away from online now. There's, there's just really something about being able to look someone in the eye and share space. Um, so yeah, for, for now it's, it's kind of mostly going back into in-person classes yeah. as well. Yeah. What, when you look at your journey over the last almost 10 years of this work, eight years of this work in a much more intentional way. What, what has surprised you the most? Oh, let's see. Probably the power of the group, mm -hmm. the power of the sweetness, the comfort, the magic. I think that's the only word I can come up with. The magic of being together in a supportive group environment or one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's a group too. I think yeah, two people yeah, are a group yeah. too of just realizing that we're not alone. 
there were not alone in this. I, that mm -hmm. is, I, I've heard that over and over again, both with MBSR teachers that I've been in contact with and also people that take my class. They, they, they are shocked at, um, the, the power and the transformation of practicing mindfulness in a group of strangers yeah, that probably yeah. the more I talk about this, that's probably the most su the surprising for me is that class one, everyone is super uncomfortable. <laughs> no one knows each other. They're like looking <laughs> side by side, you know, like looking out the corners of their eyes, like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then by the time we're done after eight weeks, they are talking and laughing and yeah. they know each other's kids by name and they, they actually meet up after I've had many groups, um, continue to practice together or to just meet up for coffee and people are starving for that yeah. post COVID starving for connection. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I just, I think it's just creating the space, creating the space and me being more vulnerable too to be like, Hey, I have this too. This is what we're going to do. And creating the container for people to learn something different about themselves. Yeah. It's you're, I, it, we, we observe that. I feel like every day in our, our work is just that desire for connection. And mm -hmm. there is something, what I really loved about experiencing the group work that, uh, I did with you is when everyone is coming to the table and they're intentionally working on being curious and non-judgmental and present, it allows some barriers to drop really, really fast Absolutely. because there's no question of someone's intentions. There's no questions like everyone's kind of wrestling with it, but they're all trying to show up for themselves differently, which then just in turn allows you to show up for other people differently. Right. I, so I love that you're, you're calling out that group. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. It is, it is very different to mm -hmm. do that work in a group format instead of just by yourself, but by yourself can be incredibly powerful oh, yeah. as well. I mean, I yeah. took the class by myself looking at a screen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now I, I read I teach a book it. off of Amazon with a CD. It was a CD, Allison, because exactly. it was 2014 and I think they barely had downloads. God, right. this, like it hasn't been that long, but I feel like in my day, I listened to a CD and this. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so, okay. By the time, by the time this episode launches it, we, we will be, uh, it'll probably be like early December. Okay. And so for people who are listening to it, when it launches, what, what tips and practices would you uh, want to share with us to help people end the year more mindfully and maybe start the new year more mindfully. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking about getting together with family, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to quote Ram Das here. And it's one of my favorite quotes. He's like, if you think you're enlightened, go and spend a week with your family. <laughs> right? So like, yeah, I think I got it. I got it. And then it's like all these old habits come back. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, there's one specific, I'll, I'll tell you a technique I think that's really helpful for me, again, to create that space so we're not as reactive. Um, it's, and it's specifically holding your breath just for a few seconds at the end of your exhale. Mm -hmm. So we have our inhale and then we have our exhale and then it turns back into the inhale, right? Thank goodness, it just keeps going. But there's this little pause in between our breaths. It's after the exhale, before your inhale, that 
you just hold your breath at the bottom, like right at that trough for three to five seconds. What this does is helps to elongate the exhale, right? Even when we don't want or can't have that long, slow, relaxed, deep breath, this is when we're in these moments of acute anxiety or stress and we need to slow things down. So when we have that long, elongated exhale, including holding the breath at the end of the exhale, that's telling your body to engage your parasympathetic nervous system, which is like rest and digest. It's like the brakes on a car. And you have to count at the same time. So you're holding your breath and you're counting so you're able to get out of uh, the proliferation of thinking and come back into the present moment. Hmm. So that's one way that I know that I've found that helps me when I'm nervous speaking in front of groups or when I need to have a pause before I say something to my child or my husband or whatever, that it's more mm, authentic, right? It's Hmm. more purposeful. Um, Practices, I would say, is just to try to do less. Mm. try to do less. Mm. I know that's hard. Mm. The, the, this practice is the art of, of non-doing it's called. So this is very different than doing nothing. Um, it's, you know, instead of getting, you know, checking your email and trying to get through your email list, it's like, maybe you go for a walk first, Mm. or maybe you just have a cup of coffee, right? So this is another one that many people is very hard. I know it's very hard, but instead of having your coffee and then doing 50 other things while you're doing in the morning and then your coffee's not hot anymore. What if you get up a little bit earlier and just have a cup of coffee before your day starts? So it's that mindful cup of coffee, um, finding your breath while you're seated, right? Seated and, um, just allowing yourself to find those pauses wherever you can is really, really, really helpful. Yeah. It's, and it's just as simple as like a single breath can bring you back to present. I, I really appreciate that practice. I found myself doing it as you were <laughs> describing it. Good, <laughs> and good. I'm sure other people are as they're listening. I yes. was like, oh yeah, there's the trough. Wait. Okay. Yes. Now we can breathe in. Exactly. And that's such a gift. I love it. Yes. Well, Allison, I'm so proud of everything that you are doing. You have done. I'm so glad we were able to make this conversation happen. And since it's the first time you've been on the show and we have a little bit of time, I want to ask you the question that we we typically ask most people when we we have a little bit of a a space. Allison, uh, in the spirit of the show being about conversations, what's a conversation you've had with yourself or with someone else that was transformative? Mm. I would have to say I've had many over the last about year um, through the Richard Deming Cancer Center. So Dr. Mm. Dick Deming invited me to uh, offer one-on-one mindfulness for stress reduction for his patients through his integrative medicine um, program there, which is completely free for his patients. It's wonderful. It's such a Mm. wonderful opportunity and it's such an honor to be working with him. He is an amazing human being. What I've noticed sitting with these people that are facing um, insurmountable odds or just a, a kind of a shift in what they thought about their life was, that has been an, um, a way to, again, connect with each other as human beings, especially when they're suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in a way that's helped me grow because that is not comfortable for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's not sure. comfortable to sit with someone in their suffering like that. So that has been a huge learning and um, uh, life experience for me to sit with people that have faced a diagnosis such as cancer to be like, am I living 
the way I want to be living. Yeah. Every single person that I've, mm. I've sat with has said, this is, has really shifted the way I talk to myself. It's shifted mm. the way I'm with my family and my friends. And, um, it's that, that has been a transformational shift for me over the last about a year and a half that I've been working with them. Just, um, how thankful I am yeah. to have my health. So, and it reminds me, it reminds me to, um, remember to live, uh, with as much awareness and curiosity and kindness as possible. I love that. I adore you. Yeah. Allison, oh, for thank people you. who are listening, who want to connect with you, who want to learn more about the work that you do or just to get resources, how Definitely. can people reach out to you? Thank you. Yes. So my website is called From Within Wellness. So if you just go to fromwithinwellness.com, my MBSR page is on there, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. There's actually one that will be coming up, a new new class that'll start in January. So that'll be good timing for your people that listen. Um, And I offer that a few times a year. I also offer one-on-ones. And I'll be offering some, hopefully, uh, a couple half-day retreats coming up in 2024. And there will be a pop-up. If you go to my website, there's a pop-up for free meditations of mine as well. So there's three free um, guided meditations if people are interested in kind of just understanding what this is. So that could be No, that's really helpful because actually most of our audience is outside of Iowa. Ah, very, very global, very global audience. And so um, that's a really great resource for them to be able to utilize as well. And then potentially to find practitioners in in their area if they're wanting to find somebody in person to work with. But lots of lots of online options and apps and things like that to get started. Allison, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I appreciate it. Our guest this week has been Allison Pete. And one of the things I'm holding on to is just that really simple practice of pausing and holding your breath a bit when you're at the end of an exhale. I know that I've been moving fast lately. I know my mind has been really busy and I can tell when I'm getting disconnected from being in the present moment. So that's a gift I'm going to take with me and really practice that. And I want to hear from you. What resonated for you? What came up for you? Maybe how have you used mindfulness in your world? Uh, And you can do so by sending me an email at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com. You can also shoot me a message on social media where my DMs are always open, but I'm particularly active on LinkedIn. And if you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform. This helps us get exposure and continue to bring on great guests like Allison. And if you'd like to financially support the show, you can do so by becoming a patron. You can go to patreon.com slash conversations on conversations where your financial support will go directly to the team that makes the show possible and you get access to some pretty great swag as well. Speaking of the team, a big thank you to the incredible team that makes this show possible, to Nick Wilson, our producer, to Drew Knoll, our sound editor to Becky Reinert, our transcriptionist, Jessica Burge, our marketing consultant, and the rest of the Snowco crew. Thank you. And just a big final thank you to Allison. It was really great to connect after all of these years. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and others, we can change the world. So stay safe, my friends. Please be sure to rest, rehydrate, And we'll see you again next week.